0: You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 97 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer and I'm Trevor Elgar. And on this podcast we interview writers, directors, agents, managers, casting directors, casting directors who have become writers and directors. <laughs> <laughs> and well done. And I have thank you. Well we package them up into a, a neat little podcast where we also talk about other stuff in the industry and answer your listener questions and then deliver it to an iTunes near you. It is a neat little podcast. I like that was
0: really good, man. That oh, was, thanks. That was good for kind of shooting from the hip there. Thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you know we're just two dudes who just bought a couple microphones and plugged them into our computer, and we're like, hey, let's talk about acting. So we we don't we we don't stand here thinking that we're experts or that we have the answers. You no, know, we have a little bit of experience, and we've been able to sit down with some people who know some stuff. But that's really all our qualifications are. So uh, if you hear something on the show that you're like, I totally jive with that, or maybe you don't dig it, and you want to kind of. Uh, chime in and argue with us, which which would be awesome. Go for it. Uh, lots of different ways to to get started doing just that. And uh, head over to our website to to uh, start that journey. InsideActingPodcast.com dot
1: And speaking of dissenting opinions on this episode, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have. <clears throat> uh casting director billy demota who's going to talk to us about his view standpoint stance on casting director workshops which is not exactly the popular stance in this town but i gotta say man after that one conversation i am pretty enrolled i'm pretty
0: enrolled too into what
1: he where where he's coming from so uh please stick around for that
0: So, hey everybody, welcome to episode 97, AJ, what's going on, the cen- my man? The, cent- the century approacheth. Uh, it does, it does. It, what we
1: what's, the, just... what's the word? Cent- centurion, centurion,
0: episode? Centennial? Cent- thank you! <laughs> Boom, there it is. Wow, wow. I just, yeah. I, I, you can always I... count on me for the big words. <laughs> I usually
1: do. I only. I can only stack together single syllables. So many syllables. Yeah. At a
0: time. Then it, yeah. Then it just becomes. <laughs> I lose myself.
1: Uh, <laughs> centennial episode approacheth.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. It it does. And with that epi- centennial yeah, episode, uh, our really exciting, cool live SAG panel event. Yeah? That's
1: right. That's right. And everything is everything is now in place, so we can announce everything. Um, including our guests, though, uh, you can find out that information when it goes live on the SAG Foundation website. But, um, but yeah, so we're going to have a panel of, uh, I think it's four, uh, people who are on, who hold various positions in SAG-AFTRA. Yeah. Um, it's going to be recorded live at the SAG building, um, as part of the, um, SAG Foundation live streaming events that they do, um, every few weeks or so. And, um, uh, Trevor and I will be hosting it. It will be live streamed on air. You can also join us by uh, sending us an email to the podcast um, and letting us know that you would like to be there. Um, so it is um, March twelfth, yep, at seven thirty p.m. Um, and then if you're not in LA, uh, feel free to watch it live, live streamed, and you can also send in questions that way. Yeah, or tweet at us or the SAG Foundation. We'll be taking questions from our email, our Twitter feed uh, the SAG Twitter feed, Facebook, possibly Facebook,
0: yeah. probably possibly. And of course people in, in person <clears throat> raising their hand and asking. That's right. And the people that we have in the panel, I, you know, I'm, I do not have their names in front of me, but they're legit. They know their stuff, man. They are, they are they're like super high up. They're in the, higher ups in the, yeah. uh, in, the uh, um, in the, SAG union. after union world. Yeah. So, um, do, do not miss this. If you're in LA, take the opportunity to come on down and, and hang out with us for a night. It should be really, really cool.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to make our 100th episode. Episode, mm-hmm. and it's also uh, going to provide hopefully a lot of information. We'll get some some mysteries solved because um, we're really just going to make the entire thing about the panel and getting questions answered. So, I guess the question for our listeners is: What have you always wanted to know about the union? What was yeah. what's been confusing to you? Um, get those questions in, and also your RSVPs.
0: Yeah, and and think about new media and web series and all that stuff. I mean, that's a lot of gray area still for everybody uh that i know at least that's, mm-hmm. that's working in this industry also we, we have a few announcements we kind of wanted to stack here at the top of the show uh we have a, a thank you shout out to jen for a very generous one-time donation she she sent it in mm, a week or two ago actually now mm-hmm. um we did not mention it last episode but we definitely wanted to give her a shout out here uh jen is uh on our facebook page and our facebook group she's uh communicating with the podcast and 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 obviously supporting us and uh it's just really really wonderful to uh have some fuel in the tank. So yeah. thank you Jen very much for uh keeping us going. The last announcement we have before we really mm-hmm. jump into the meat of the episode we is two uh, more, do we have two more? Oh, we have two more. That's right. So the first one is um Johnny from uh the from Ireland, I believe. Um has a really great website. He's been communicating with the podcast for for the better part of a year now and he's been really fantastic about, you know, uh, encouraging words and he's got a website that he's created called The Film Lobby and it's online at the filmlobby.com and it's basically a networking site for creatives, actors, writers, filmmakers, people of of that breed and uh, it looks pretty cool. You know, we've we've had the opportunity to check it out and uh, I was Johnny was even kind enough to solicit some feedback. So I I feel at least a little bit responsible for, um, at least one of the buttons on the website uh that I, that I was like this should be here and he was like cool thanks and he put it up there like the next day it was really it was really cool but um it looks like a really This valuable, button designed <laughs> by Trevor Alga <Alley. laughs> right a little watermark shit man um so so he uh he he's been very generously offered our audience uh a 50% discount on like a premium or pro membership over at the film lobby so it's 50% off and the coupon code is i a p 2013 So that's IAP 2013. Um, so uh, head over to the website check out their premium offerings and make sure you guys um, consider. Uh, picking that that up for 50% off using the, uh, inside acting exclusive discount. Very cool stuff. Yeah. We should post that on the website with the, with the link and everything. And then the last, uh,
1: the last announcement we have. Oh yeah. So, uh, real quick, in addition to the SAG after panel coming up, uh, for episode 100 on March 12th, on March 18th, I'm going to be actually delivering a, uh, workshop myself on, um, uh, Listening skills for actors. Um, so um, we've talked a little bit about this on an earlier episode, but I'm part of a um, what they call a Ph.D. program in this leadership training stuff that um, Trevor and I have been doing. And part of our, like our big thesis at the end is we get to deliver a workshop and. As an actor, I really wanted to do my workshop for actors, and so I was inspired by some of the things that I was learning, um, specifically about the art form of listening, <clears throat> and I realized that of all the training that I've done, going to UCLA, all the acting classes I've taken, everything I did from junior high on, I have never once seen or taken a workshop on listening for actors. Mm. And it's so silly because, you know, we we're always told, oh, acting is reacting and, and you have to be listening to your scene partner and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, great. So I know that I'm supposed to do that, but I realize that no one ever taught, no one ever teaches actors what effective listening is, mm-hmm. what it looks like, you know, what the skill set is. So that's what I am going to,
0: uh, to create, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. <clears throat> I just love that idea because I, I, I've learned. I feel like I'm, I'm at a place now in my artistic evolution or whatever, where I feel like it's like 90, 95 percent listening. Like mm. that's the only way to tell the truth is to understand what you're getting from the yeah. other person or the well, other people in the scene. And then the other thing,
1: you know, I don't want to give away too much, but the other the other thing in addition to what you're listening to coming from them. Is what the filter is that you're taking it in through. Oh, this is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be good. It's yeah. gonna be good. I'm very excited about it. I just put. Together, I just finalized my outline and got approval from my my mentor in the program. Uh, she took a look at it and was like, "Content is like super solid. All you got to do is like create a couple bullet points here and there." And um, I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm really really excited about it. So March 18th, 7:30 at Dum Dum the Actors Network. For those of you who just listened to. Episodes, uh, what is it, ninety five and ninety six? Yeah. Kevin E. West's uh, A- the Actors Network over in West Hollywood. So if you're in Los Angeles or even there's people coming in. I have somebody coming in from San Jose and someone coming in from Colorado to
0: to to attend mm. my my workshop. So so is this, no excuses. As Tony Horton would say, I don't want to hear no excuses <laughs> no from any of you.
1: Excuses from any of you.
0: Well, yeah, I don't that's know if any Ply of them have DVD. one leg, but yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Plyo DVD, if anybody's <clears throat> wondering. Uh, what are they talking about? PDX again, and that's free. Yeah, that is uh, yeah, it's totally free. Awesome, totally. I, free. I will be there. Mr. Ben Whitehair will be there. Yeah,
1: you're coming. Ben's coming. Ben's dad's coming. That's who's yeah. coming in from out of town from Colorado. So, awesome. um, some of our other listeners, um, Jasmine, who was on <laughs> randomly on an episode yeah. <laughs> a while back, she's going to be there.
0: Um yeah, so it's going to be a good time. Sweet, sweet. So, uh into <laughs> the meat of the episode then, 11 minutes later. <laughs> uh <laughs> we had a lot so to announce. <laughs> we did. we did. This is going to be a really packed episode. So, yes. uh, might we just say now feel free to listen to this episode two or three times to get everything out of it because there's a yeah. lot in here. So, uh I didn't really have much going on this week, but I know you had yet another meeting, high profile meeting. So
1: I had a pilot meeting. Let's hear about it, dude. <gasps> um yeah.
0: I said this a few episodes ago, but my my
1: big sort of come from now when going to auditions is I'm I'm among friends. I'm among friends. This is going to be easy. It's going to be chill. I'm just going to go and I'm going to show my work. That's mm-hmm. it. And uh, I went in and I don't know what I did, but I create. I guess I created the um the friend before walking in the room. But it turned out she the casting director went to UCLA, studied. <laughs> uh studied theater at UCLA, knew all the same professors as me. So we spent more time talking about creating a relationship than we did on my audition. That's great. And you know, we keep talking about it, about you know what it what it is to create relationship. And that's that's my that's my big thing now. It's like how do I create relationship? Even if it's one of those auditions where you just go in, you do your thing and you leave. Yeah. It's like, well, what if you didn't settle for that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not talking about being obnoxious and making a big stink or, st- or, or overstaying your welcome yeah, or sucking up <clears> and being <throat> fake, which is what a lot of actors do. Exactly. It's just about, it's just about being really clear on, you know, what you're there to do be professional, but also, you know, if there's a way to manage to create relationship, do it. It could be something as simple as a smile or a nod, Or mm-hmm. what I've been saying lately when I leave an audition is have a great session today, guys, you know?
0: Awesome. In other so, words, ha- hope you find the right actor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Can you be more succinct with what the internal shift is when you say I'm going into friends or going into meet with friends? It, I, I,
1: it's it's tough because it's it's a way of being. It's not a doing. Mm. It's not. A, it, I'm not saying you go in and you do something different. It's a way of being. You. It has made me. I be more comfortable. I be more personal. <laughs> I be more. I be uh, in relationship. If I'm trying to create relationship, it's like what does a relationship consist of? uh intimacy so i just be intimate when i go in the room Mm -hmm. and like i said it's not about like sucking up or taking time or touching the person on the other side of the table it's just like you create intimacy and vulnerability especially for somebody like me like i am six foot three 200 pounds big athletic dude and i go in and like this this audition especially the material called for it this guy was so open and raw because of what had happened to him and everything. So for somebody, for them to see somebody my size open up like that and be that vulnerable and allow them inside, allow them to see the cracks, mm. so to speak. That's huge. The first read was a little intense, but I'm, I'm always one to say, you know, go big the first time. And if they want to pull you back, they can. Right. So she did. She gave me redirection. She actually had me sit down for the second read And I love getting redirected in an audition because I'm good at taking direction. And I took the note and, and did it and landed it. And she even said at the end, she, she literally gave me a thumbs up, which was, I thought, awesome. She gave me a thumbs up and she said, great adjustment. Cool, man.
0: And when was this, uh, when was this meeting? If you don't mind me asking. Friday. Okay. Friday. So I haven't heard anything yet. But but yesterday was a holiday, and you never know who, that's needs, true. who needs to see the tape, what time zone they're in. That's
1: that, true, et cetera. Well, yeah, and you know, with pilots, it's weird because sometimes,
0: you know, it could drag on and on and on and on
2: and on. Yeah,
1: and
0: you never know. Yeah, you know, I had a pilot audition years ago, uh, and I didn't hear anything for three weeks. Three weeks later, I got a call back. Oh my god! The blue I was like, oh wait, what was the name of this project again? <laughs> I, I just I moved it off my plate and gone. So that's what so we should do know. as soon as we walk out of the room, really. Uh, yeah. Although Brian Vermeer might have something to say about that. <laughs> Cause he says, you know, remember what you wore, remember who you met with, remember what their interests were, what came up, make sure you put it in a log of some sort.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like it, the, the reason that you put it in a log for me is so that you can forget about it.
0: Uh-huh. You take notes. Very, very David Allen of you. Well, very I had GTD. a, ha, 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 <laughs> yes, get it out of your head, right? Yeah. No, I
1: had a professor, um. Uh, when I went to UCLA, actually, who, who said that he used to say, when I come out, on an audition, I have a clipboard or something like that. And he said, I would literally write down what I wore, what I felt, what worked, what didn't work, you know, duh, 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 emotions, whatever. So that way I can just forget about it. Mm-hmm. I got it all there on paper. And if I want to revisit that paper later, when I don't have an emotional attachment to the audition, then I can, but I think it's really smart. Just let go of it. Yeah. And you walk out, you know? Yeah. Don't be attached to the results. Ha! Huh?
0: So uh, we have some voicemails and emails that we want to respond to. We've got about a 13 minute window to do it, so uh, let's rifle through this here. Uh, Not to be any disrespect to the people that have have written in and and called in, um, because we definitely value everything that everybody's had to say, and we want to make sure we get it all in. So uh, the first thing the first thing is from uh, is a voicemail that Christina called in with, and it was such a wonderful like just affirming. Message that she had to share that, uh, that I almost don't know what to do with it. Like, do we play it and just kind of toot our own horn or do we, (laughs) or do we not? And so, anyway, but she she basically acknowledgement fest. It was major. It was so sweet to, to hear from her uh, and really hear, you know, how this podcast has, has benefited her journey. So, thank you, Christina, so much for calling in. We listened to, to your, to your voicemail, uh, twice, I think, actually. Yeah. And it was, it was really epic. Uh, Christina basically said, I have a, I, I, I'm in a minor market, and I kind of want to start my own inside acting type podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, she basically said, I, I guess I'm looking for your blessing or your advice or your or your guidance <clears throat> or something. Um, so right off the bat, I'd say right on, rock on, blessing go for head. it. <laughs> go for it. Blessing giveth. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we were talking in the car today, actually, AJ and I, about how wonderful this podcast has been for our careers and so many unanticipated kind of ancillary ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many little things have grown out of this podcast that have completely changed the (coughs) direction of our careers and our lives and our journeys. So, um, only good things can come out of it. If I was to offer any sort of advice, I would say pay particular attention to sound quality and consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely the big lessons, consistency in, in terms of release schedule and sound quality. Like I would say, don't compromise on what your product is. Yeah. If, if it's an audio podcast, which yeah. I, I believe is what she's going for.
1: Yeah. I had this thought of like, well, every, we we take such care with making sure that it sounds good and every podcast must be like this. And then a long time ago, it was maybe like we were maybe like a year into the podcast. Somebody wrote in was like, you know, I've always appreciated your show, but also your um, audio quality because, you know, and then they gave examples of like other podcasts about the entertainment industry or about acting. And they were like, "Oh, these aren't as good." And I was like, "What?" So I went and listened to them, and they were totally—they were totally right. It was like—it was actually difficult to listen to. It sounded mm. like the people were on the phone inside a wind tunnel <laughs> with bad reception, like <clears throat> with you know at I mean? yeah, oh, t they're not going to be a sponsor. Um, so so yeah, um, audio good audio quality is uh, a must. And don't don't be afraid to reach out for support. If you have anyone who's willing to you know do whatever, be a production coordinator for you. Thank you, Jen. Be a uh, uh, an editor webmaster. for you, a webmaster for you. Like putting together a team is so supportive. We did yeah. it Lone Ranger style or t- Duo Ranger style for a while. Far and too long, yeah. It was far too long, yeah, and it,
0: it kind of uh, what gave us what David Lawrence calls pod fade. Yeah. Yeah. It it, was, that was definitely a challenge is just keeping the the energy and motivation going a lot of the times because the journey gets hard and it's, it's a lot of work. Um, but hearing, you know, messages like Christina's and, uh, and, you know, and getting the financial donations just lets us know that people are listening and that they do value it. Um, you know, that keeps us going. Christina's also got a website, a blog that she has called living the dream acting. And, uh, the website is www dot, and you have to put that www. on it. Otherwise, it'll tell you it's it's to an unparked or a parked domain or whatever. So make sure you include that part. And then it's uh, livingthedreamacting.com. It looks like uh, some really good stuff. So check it out. Awesome. So uh, we also got an email from uh, a longtime listener,
1: uh, Catherine Grant Suddy, um, who is... Often in touch with the podcast via email, via Facebook group, via Twitter. This one was a direct response to what we were talking about. I can't remember what the, what was the name of the guy who sent in the email about Seattle? Mike? Was that his uh, name? His name was Mike. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So the,
0: the two Mike's episode. That's right. Yeah. The
1: two Mike. <laughs> Imagine if we remembered episodes that way. I know. <laughs> We remembered him based on the people who like wrote in. Yeah. Um, but he wrote in about leaving to Seattle, leaving from Los Angeles to Seattle, and Catherine pretty much agreed with us in every area about him going back and do, being able to do DIY stuff and sort of the you know film and television market kind of growing in that area. She um, she she's disagreed in in a couple of different things. One was that you know she's found that the the opportunities aren't so plentiful that she has ended up having to go outside to like Portland and other minor markets around Seattle in order to find, you know, the maximum amount of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And the one thing she was adamant about that I had no idea about. And I was so glad she wrote in, um, was specifically referring to equity theater opportunities because the people who I was referring to when I was responding to Mike's question, they haven't been admittedly, they haven't been in Seattle for a while. Um, these friends of mine that, that used to work in Seattle and do, you know, uh, equity theater and, and, you know, Seattle rep and, and, um, mm-hmm. The various theaters in 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 Seattle, and she basically like I don't want to name names, but she basically was talking about how it's just falling apart there. <laughs> that there's like five equity theaters left. One of them's bankrupt. The other one's not in Seattle. It's like miles, like two hour drive outside yeah. of Seattle. Like yeah. all, and I was like, wow, I had no idea. So thank you, Catherine, for for letting us know. Because uh, like I said, my friends, it's been a while since they since they lived and played uh, in
0: Seattle. Yeah, she she did want to say though that in terms of DIY. Mike is going to be just fine, mm-hmm. I mean, especially, you know, as Mike even said that his focus is on, you know, writing this film, getting this his, his own projects made. So, uh, and as we said in that episode, um, I believe he'll be fine wherever he is, if he's making his own content, um, because you know, how many, how many incredible independent films come out every year that get picked up at Sundance or whatever that were films nowhere near Los Angeles? Oh yeah. I mean, 85, 90% of them at the, at the very least. So um, we definitely stand by that, but it's really good to hear, um, this from Catherine and you know what? Catherine is really good with words. I'm reading her email here and it's, she's a really good writer. She's a great writer. Yes. <laughs> she she is. is smart. Um, so, uh, keep that up. Yeah, <laughs> you've definitely got a talent there. I'm like, I'm like loving how she's you a, structure she, your sentences. She's a wordsmith. She's yeah. She's, very she's good.
1: like you. She can come up yeah. with words like senten sentenet, senten, Sen- senten-, senten-
2: Yeah. Sentinella.
1: So our (laughs) Sentinella episode is coming up. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Okay. Third uh, response of the episode (laughs) comes from Casey. Uh, He wrote in and he said, uh, guys, I kind of uh, had a third life change um, shift and I'm 34 years old and uh, I've been acting in regional theater and doing indie films now for about six years. But basically, he's asking, is 34 years old too late to start an acting career? And uh, AJ and I spoke about this very briefly before we started recording. And we were like, dude, wh- what? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> have <laughs> you learned this? nothing from us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and thank you, Eric A- 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 Casey, for writing in. Uh, because this is something that, you know, all the way back to episode nine, uh, you know, guests like Peter Bedard, who said, like, you know, this, this industry is really geared towards the young and the beautiful. So people who are older... Uh, are at a disadvantage, but um, you know, I, I, I saw a movie with Paul Giamatti the, the other day, and I was just like, This guy's an amazing actor, and he's not, he doesn't look, quote, I'm doing major air quotes right now, he doesn't look like an actor. I think there's a weird misconception that all actors are young and beautiful, um, and there, you know, like the guy from there's a, a guy that Guy Ritchie puts in all his movies, he's like an older guy, he's got grayish hair. He's always like got the he's always like the fast talking like snarky kind of bad guy. You're talking about the guy who plays like Brick in Snatch. Uh, there's that guy, but there's also the the other guy who's like the he's a bad guy, but he's like uh he's really kind of snarky and sarcastic, and uh, he does like he's he's in that montage where just like the shot and oh uh, Dennis Farina. Yes, Dennis Farina. Both of those guys, Brick and Dennis Farina, have I think barely any formal acting training, and they both started their careers like well past their their prime. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, you know anything prime, about whatever that means, but yeah. you know, um, so, so there's examples everywhere of people that don't have a ton of training again, air quotes, um, and who also started later in life and, and have done just fine. So I think it's all about the story in your head. Is it a story where you win in the end <laughs> or is it a story where the odds are stacked against you and you're screwed before you even walk out the door? Yeah. Um, so yeah, short answer k c absolutely not go for it man you you know you've you, what you what you lack in uh youth and that's totally relative you uh you definitely have an experience i mean you have a huge well uh, you have a huge advantage of, over some of the other actors um that you might be going up against <laughs> it's kind of fun in terms of it's that kind
1: of funny to say what you lack in youth to a 34 year old. I know,
0: I know, which is ridiculous, which is completely ridiculous, yeah, but it's a story in the, in it's the, all in the, it is. in the context of the email. Right, yeah. right.
1: No, I, I know, I know, I know, I know why you said it. I wasn't yeah. questioning. It's just funny to say, it's a funny yeah, thing to say. I know. It's just a story, Casey. Hey, welcome to uh, Los Angeles. It's just a story. It really is. It's, you know, whatever story you're telling yourself about it being too late about casting directors being like, why is this older person not have more credits? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, trev and i are are you know in what a few like we're like a few years behind you Mm -hmm. you know barely a few years behind you and and you know we don't have a uh you know uh extremely extensive resume especially when it comes to film and television and he even says he's going to chicago for a couple years um to build up some experience there and then coming out to los angeles i think that's also a cool plan i mean you know it's uh it's go for it. That's all I could say. Yeah. yeah. Make it
0: happen. Go for it. And, uh, you know, to steal a line (laughs) from Bjorn Johnson, tell yourself a helpful story. Tell
1: yourself a helpful story. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.
0: I, I sense that there's even more we could, we could discuss about this, but, uh, um brevity will have to serve for now given our time constraints but thank you for writing in and sharing that I'm, i know that you're not the only actor out there having this conversation in their head <laughs> me <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i know for a fact that there are other actors
1: somewhere yeah. in los angeles probably have a podcast they some might sort. even be sitting where i'm sitting right now
0: <laughs> Their name may or may not be Trevor Algier. Indeed. And then we have a voicemail from Renee. And. You want to play this one? Let's go ahead and play it, yeah. All right. Awesome.
2: When it comes to, you know, you said something on the most recent episode about, um, you know, getting involved in and doing production and doing whatever you can for anybody that, you know, you want to work with. And uh, my question really is, uh, you know, how. How do you deal with being pigeonholed in that certain, um, Mm -hmm. role in the, in the theater or in film or whatever? Like, how do you avoid, uh, uh, them only thinking of you, uh, when it comes to production? Um, as opposed to an actor or, you know, various artists of whatever. How do you, not, uh, become pigeonholed and only viewed with certain people when you work for them in that capacity, uh, as just that, not an actor Mm -hmm. when
0: that's really what your primary goal is. Cool. So Renee, thank you so much for that question. I know, I know you've got (coughs) a response to this, AJ, so let her rip, dude.
1: Yeah. So, um, I have a a few things I want to say. Number one is the power of intention. What is it that you want to create? If you want to be an actor, then just be What, you know, whatever, put it out there, Mm -hmm. be, be, be completely open, transparent, know that that is your end goal and that is what you want to create. The reason we suggest doing all these other things is because it's one of the many ways you can create relationships with these people. There are other ways as well. When you create that relationship, you need to be aware enough. And I don't want to say self-conscious, self-confident Enough Mm -hmm. to be able to say, yeah, you know, I'm doing this right now. What, you know, what I'm, what my goal is, is to be acting Mm -hmm. and put it out there. I'm reminded of, I hope he's okay with us telling this story. Actually, I'm reminded of our former producer, Mr. Nelson. Mm -hmm. And when he went up to San Francisco to get, you know, his new job, he started out in customer service. But the entire time he was there he was always making it very apparent that he, and and very he was he was vocal about it and he was shared and he talked to other people about it that he wanted to get into video production he wanted to be on the creative side of things he wanted to be working in in, in content creation mm-hmm. and a position opened up and they went immediately to him he has no experience and no formal experience in that, in that area. Um, <clears throat> he hadn't been at the company as long as, as, as some other people that may or may not have been interested in, in the job. I don't know who else was interested in the job and he had kind of an informal interview, but not really. There really wasn't an, an interview process and he got the job mm-hmm. and moved from customer service to video production coordinator. Yeah. So it was really just about him putting it out there. He, yeah. Everyone knew that that's what he wanted to do. And so, in supporting him and doing that, it was like, oh, we want this, you know, cog to feel happy in this wheel. Let's put him over in this wheel mm-hmm. instead of that wheel. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, that was his, it was his intention. Um, so no question about that? I, I just want to play devil's
0: advocate. <laughs> so, what about working with people who are like, you know... I'm thinking now of like Porter Kelly's issue, you know, where like we want somebody who is going to be a receptionist and not an actor. Mm. Um, and if you want to be an actor, then you can go somewhere else. So that's so funny that you asked that because the third point that I had, which was where exactly (laughs) where I was going next is if
1: you're not getting opportunities to do what you want to do where you currently are, leave, change it up, change it up, get out. I know so many, I, I am not going to name names on the podcast, but I was telling Trevor before we started the list of names of friends that we have, mutual friends that Trevor and mm. I have that work in the technical side of theater all the time who are in actors. Los Angeles, yeah. but they're actually actors and want to be actors and want to act, but they're not doing anything about it. So, they're like, well, it's a job, and I do enjoy this, but not as much as I like acting, but I'm going to continue to do this because it's making me money right now, and I'm also getting in good with, you know, the theater people. They're essentially pigeonholing themselves. Mm -hmm. So, my question for you, Renee, and this is not something you can respond if you want, I would love that, but you don't necessarily have to. It's more of an internal question. Ask yourself, who's really pigeonholing you? Is -hmm. it
0: the people you're working around? Or is it you? You know, I was gonna I was gonna say something to the same effect. I just want to drop in my two cents here because I I am uh, somebody who picked up a lot of software and kind of post production skills working at Apple, and I find that all my friends know that and they know that I'm i a pretty I'm a stickler for detail when it comes to a lot of that stuff. And I found I looked up one day and I was like. All of my income, all of my activities, everything I do and talk about is all centered around post-production. And I was like, I do so much like video editing and audio editing and sound design and this design and whatever behind the scenes. And I'm like, and I call myself an actor. And I was like, so what, what, who's creating this? You know, like I had a really kind of like heart to heart moment with myself where I was Interesting. like, I was like this is all because I said so, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is all because I said this was okay. That this is what I, so like wh- where are my actions not lining up with my words? And I got to really look at that and I was like, okay, cool. So I can make this a priority or I can make it a means to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I mean, we've had guests on the podcast who did it. Woody yeah. Schultz. Yeah. He's yeah. Woody. Example. Yeah. Woody's a great example. So, um, Mark Gantt. Mm hmm. Another good example. Yeah, I think being really transparent with your intention, and you know, if 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 they're people, and I mean, if they're people that you want to be working with, they're gonna say, "Awesome, I understand that this is a stepping stone for you. Let's see how we can move you in the next production to the next whatever. Let's see if we can move you towards closer to your goal." Because everybody who got somewhere that's in a, a position that's in an enviable position, again, more air quotes, um, they had to take those same stepping stones. You're not just born into CEO of a, of a company. Well, sometimes you are, but it's pretty rare. (laughs) Most people work their way up from like, you know, customer support to sales to whatever, to whatever, to whatever, all the way up to president of the company. Mm -hmm. Um, So they understand what that's like. And I think there's a lot of people that want to follow or just do the minimum required to get their paycheck and they don't speak up or the people that do want more but they're afraid and so they don't say anything and so it's like it, it, you're not even a blip on the radar you know but if if it's the people that are like I'm here I'm applying for this job I will do the work but this is not my end game mm-hmm. my end game is that yep can you help me or not if not thanks anyway i'll, I'll go to somebody else somewhere else so So boom, boom, (laughs) uh, I, I know we just kind of repeated each other there, but, uh, no, I was, I was doing a little cheerleading
1: dance mm -hmm. for Trevor because I was agreeing with everything he was saying.
0: So, so Renee, thank you so much for your question. Um, everybody who, who wrote in or called in, I'm really thankful that people, uh, put themselves out there like this, Yeah, you know, because this is a, it's a risk and image to say like, hi, my name is this. And I have this question and then kind of subject themselves to what could be interpreted as, as, as you know, some pretty sobering feedback, but, um, the whole community benefits and it all comes from, from love. And, um, we want nothing more than for everybody to succeed. We're, we're very much the kind of guys that all boats rise with the tide. Yep. So, um, we hope that, uh, it's, it's all taken that way. Um, so let us know everybody who's listening, please let us know about your success. Let us know what you're up to. We love hearing that big things are happening. So, part let's one just, yeah let's
1: just jump into it let's We do it uh, i think we're probably out of time we right? are way out of time <laughs> so part
0: one of our chat with the uh, casting director writer director uh musician billy demota enjoy this guys we'll see you on the other side Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Trev, AJ, and Jen, our production coordinator, sitting here across from casting director... Writer, director, musician, another multi hyphenate, Billy Demota. Billy, thank you for being here. That's my pleasure. Or rather, or rather thank you for having us in your thank you. home. <laughs> thank you for being here. <laughs> so, Billy, we're really excited to sit down with you, not only to kind of to hear your experience in all these different kind of facets of the industry, but also to, um, to really talk about, because uh, I just, I happened to stumble across the trailer for your film, Posey. Oh. a couple of days ago just completely accidentally and I was like oh cool billy not only directed this but wrote it as well right so um so you've you've had your hands in a lot of different areas and so- i have
3: this is the first time though that i have decided to get behind the camera as a, as a director i've i've been a a director in a certain sense for 28 years as a casting director <laughs> usually the stuff that you do in a casting office is the stuff that winds up on screen the people that you bring back for callbacks and the the way you direct them is usually part part of their the performance that that ultimately winds up in the movie or the TV show or whatever I'm working on so I'm I'm used to directing actors um, I'm not used to I don't think I don't think I ever anticipated how much work it is to be a director on a movie though sure even a short film I mean the film was a three-day, four-day shoot, mm-hmm. and um, and it was a lot of work. And I'm still working on it now. I'm working on the festival circuit, but right. I did everything from producing the thing to helping cast it, device cast the movie, and and I was her partner on this one. She's my partner in uh, in casting. And uh, I directed it, I wrote it, I uh, sort of production coordinated it, I crewed it up, I found all the locations, and and so I realized it was a lot more work than I anticipated. But, you know, would I do it again? No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. No,
3: no, no, I might do it again. Here's the thing, if somebody just said, Billy, come in and direct our movie, if I could just yell action and cut and go home, I'd be happy with that. But, you know, producing a movie, which is, you know, and I, I'm not the kind of guy that, I mean, I have a, in my business, I have three employees. And so for me to micromanage my business, it's okay. But for me to try to do that on a, on a huge, you know, I'm a control freak. So for me to try to do that when I've got literally a hundred people working for me was a little bit tough. So I had to learn how to delegate. And that mm-hmm. was, that was the hardest part. The of art it. of delegation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was, it was tough. But yeah.
0: so, so on that note, let's, let's rewind all the way back to the beginning and talk about, um, how you got involved in this industry because uh, it doesn't seem like a sane choice for most people. So what brought you here and uh, what's kept you
3: here? Oh, well, I think it's a sane choice. I mean, here's the thing is that if you love your job, which I do, um, it, you know, it's, it's the best thing that could happen to you. I mean, there are people that are, that are stressed out and no, no matter what they do, no matter how much money they're making or how much power or, or prestige they have in their, in their line of employment. You know, I happen to love actors I love people, I love movies, and what better combination, you know, to mm. to be able to, to, to get in the middle of that. Um, I started out as an artist, as a musician, growing up in San Francisco. And so when I moved here in the 70s, uh, I wanted to be a big rock and roll guitar god. And um, disco happened. <laughs> <laughs> Damn disco. Which kind of, which fucked me up. Uh, you know, the thing is, is all the live clubs kind of dried up and all the discotheque sort of popped up and Mm -hmm. I wound up selling shoes, you know, like an actor waits tables, musicians sell things because the hours are good. So I got into the retail business and I became very good at it. And I sort of moved away from, excuse me, moved away from my art. And, uh, in 1985, end of 84, uh, I was friends with a woman named Jackie Birch and she was a casting director and she was working on, a movie called Mask with uh, Eric Stoltz and Laura Dern, Weird Science, uh, so, you know, really fun movies. And I said, hey, how do you do that? I like that. I was selling cars at Beverly Hills Porsche Audi. So I said, I want to do that. I like actors. I like movies. She said, okay, come work for me for free. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And um, I literally, I had a little nest egg put together. And my Wife at the time uh, decided to go to night school and work days so she could support the family, and I started a new career. I worked as an intern for Jackie for six months for free. Commando, Predator, The Running Man, uh, all the Arnold wow. movies, uh, Project nice. X with yeah. Matthew Broderick and uh, and um, Helen Hunt, Three Amigos. Yeah. After, after six months, she started paying me and, uh, you know, I, I basically replaced her assistant and I worked with her for a couple, two and a half years. Uh, she took a break to have a baby and, uh, I wound up starting my own company. Actually, I became an agent for a while. What happens is when you're, when you're, when you're starting to look for a, your own gig as a casting director, it, it, you know, you, you try to develop relationships when you're an assistant and an associate, but. uh I didn't, you know, it wasn't happening right away. So I, I thought I might get into the agent side, but I realized that I hate selling stuff and I love buying stuff. Huh. So, so the and, agent uh,
0: did the agent thing pan out? Then is that what the I'm agent thing confused. did not pan did not out? Pan no, 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 okay. I stopped being yeah, an agent. Okay. Did you ever think that you'd end up uh, being a casting director when you were younger?
3: Um, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think anybody plans to be a casting director. It's sort of an accidental job. It's the kind of job where a lot of uh, a lot of casting directors, you know, used to be actors
2: mm-hmm.
3: that couldn't get yeah. a job yeah. as an actor. So they wound up, you know, working as assistants and moving up the food chain and realized, hey, it's nice to have a little bit of control and a little bit of power. And, you know, and, you know, influence sure. influence, and, yeah. influence. and uh, sometimes they abuse it. Sometimes they don't. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes they enjoy their their position as a, as a creative person <laughs> in Hollywood. And sometimes they just take advantage of it. and. and <laughs> Oh, we're not going to talk about that.
0: Though. Oh no, we should talk about uh, okay. that. We, 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 we should talk about that. In fact, didn't didn't we, de- da- yeah, I, we I,
1: definitely I, get to go there. D- this is something sure. that we uh, kind we of. If we left this conversation without talking about that, I think our listeners would be like, "What?"
0: Yeah, that's. Um, let's just go ahead and jump into that because right. this is this is something that that we've had. You know, the conversation we've had about casting director workshops on the podcast has been kind of cyclical. It just comes around every few episodes, right. and people always are very polarized by by sure one they side are. Of the argument or not. So you are notoriously against paid casting director workshops. Well,
3: listen, paid casting director workshops. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Let me put it this way. There's, there, there's, what I love is casting directors and actors getting together. I mean, I, th- I think there's no better dynamic than that. Uh, actors need casting directors to f- further their career. Casting directors need actors to make them the best casting directors they can be. I I wouldn't have my job if it wasn't for Trevor and AJ and Jen. I think that sometimes what happens is casting directors forget what side their bread is buttered on. And they don't realize that without actors, they don't have a job. They don't have a career. They don't have a profession. And when you abuse that, when you take advantage of that, I don't know, you necessarily, you know sort of muddy the waters of that kind of great pure relationship that actors and casting directors or any industry people can have with each other. It's the only industry. It's the only profession that I know of that charges. It's the people that they're in a position to hire for a job. Um, I I don't blame actors for taking workshops. Although I know that if every actor said I'm going to stop today, then the workshops would stop. But I don't think a casting director should, should be paying their rent with an actor's, you know, money when the actor can't pay their own rent, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that what happens is that casting directors have has sort of there's a there's a certain sense of entitlement and and a, and a cast system where where you know, actors grovel to get a, a piece of the pie or a crumb and uh, casting directors recognize that or they ignore the fact that there's a, there's a sleaziness to it. you know. Mm-hmm. They couch it in, in education, or they say we're teaching, or that we're imparting wisdom. And, there, and there's no question that, that you can learn from a casting director. But that's not why actors go to workshops. The, ra- the reason actors go to workshops is because casting directors don't do theater like they used to go to theater. They don't go uh, to see acting classes and graduating showcases. They don't do general interviews. Call a casting director and try to get a, a general interview. Have your agent call a casting director and try to get a general interview. It's like yeah. you know, it doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen, and the reason it doesn't happen is because it's sort of a when you the, the the problem is is that when you when you when you continue to support a system that charges the actors and that pays the casting directors, then it continues to grow and turns into a monster, and then the the way it used to be doesn't exist anymore. You know, there are actors in this town that have been here. Uh, that when they when they came here, all they knew were casting director workshops. So they started 20 years ago. So a lot of actors that are that are that haven't been here for more than 15 or 20 years, that's all they know. They come to town, and somebody says, "Oh, you want to get on Modern Family? Uh, I know the casting associate that works for that. Go meet them. You want to get on um, uh, 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 CSI? I know the." Ca-. That's how you re- that's how you gain access to that office. When that never used to be the way it was, casting directors used to do <coughs> their due diligence. And they used to send their assistants and associates out to see as much theater as they could, to go to every acting class in town, to meet as many actors as they could. Now, sure, they were going to see some bad actors. Sure, they're going to see some crappy plays. Sure, they're going to watch some shitty TV shows. Sure, they're going to go to some bad movies. But there's going to be that one actor. There's going to be that one AJ, that one Trevor, that one Jen, that one person that stands out to them. They're going to say, hey, look what I found. Look at that diamond Mm. Amidst all that cold that I'm gonna that I'm gonna bring to my producer and director, that's gonna make me proud. But that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't happen on the scale that it used to happen. It used to be that I would go to see theater, and uh, everyone around me was a casting director. Mm. And now that just doesn't happen like that anymore.
0: When did that stop in your experience? Like, what what was the year range where that started to peter off significantly?
3: Well, the workshop started in the mid '80s. And it was probably in the early nineties that it really, be, it, it became a cottage industry. I was serving on the board of directors for the Casting Society of America. Joe Rich, who was, a, a, I, I think he's in casting administration over at Disney now, was one of the board members. And he came to a meeting one night and he said to the members, of the board members, he said, you know, we got a problem. The problem is that, you know, we have certain teaching guidelines in our, Bylaws and the guidelines say casting directors may not advertise the TV shows they're working on. They may not talk about the fact that they've hired people out of workshops. There has to be a curriculum. They have to use CSA after their name. Well, casting directors weren't using the playing by the rules, and he said, "I don't know what to do." He says, "You know, it's built into our 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 charter that that we find them." We warn them first, and then we fine them. And if they don't pay the fine, then we have a little talk with them to figure out what the problem is. Well, nobody was getting fined, or the ones that were getting fined weren't paying their fines. And Mm -hmm. I raised my hand, and I said, let's just kick them out. If they can't play by the rules, if they can't maintain a certain standard for which the CSA was created, then they don't deserve to be casting directors or, or members of the CSA. Uh, And then we got into a big heated conversation with the board because a lot of the board members had assistants and associates who were doing workshops. And they were saying, well, we can't tell casting directors what to do in their spare time. It's a free trade issue. I said, yes, we can tell them what to do in their spare time if they're breaking rules that we set up to create a standard for our our organization. Mm -hmm. And one person raised their hand and said, well, I have a motion. I'm going to a motion that we just remove all the the guidelines for teaching and then we nobody will break the re- rules. And I said, what are you talking about? You, what you like Just take all this red lights, the stoplights out of LA and nobody will get a ticket for going through a stoplight. They were talking about getting rid of all the rules. They voted to remove all the guidelines, teaching guidelines. So there were no, there was no punishment for the casting directors anymore. So the, the point that Joe was making is we need to punish these people. And there was a motion that said, let's just remove the rules that punish people. So, The standard was thrown out the the window that night. And and that's when Billy started to get pissed off. (laughs) Because it was like, you can't just, you know, I'm a casting director. I'm a member of the CSA. I want to be a member of the CSA because I like being a casting director. And I like being an ethical human being. And I think we set the organization up to achieve a certain standard. So what I did is I, 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 I kind of sort of in a clandestine way, I started to, approach the the people that that write the laws labor laws and and um found out that charging an actor for a, a person who's in a position to to, to meet an actor uh, uh to to hire an actor who, uh, who meets an actor for money is breaking the law so i sent a bunch of letters out to a bunch of people and i didn't hear anything and then in i guess probably 2000 right around 2000 i got a letter back from this uh, the state um, Labor Commissioner who said uh, workshops that charge actors to meet the people that are in a position to hire them um, where there's no education and there's no you know when they when they're they're basically 20 people getting up and reading for a casting director or, or violation of the law that hit the trades. And uh, and then Billy DeMoto became the pup pariah of Hollywood. You know, Billy DeMoto is trying to shut down workshops. Billy DeMoto is trying to take away opportunities from actors. No, I wasn't trying to take away opportunities from actors. I was trying to change the way those opportunities were presented to actors. That an actor shouldn't have to pay 30 or 40 or 50 or 75 or $95 or $250 to meet a casting director or a group of casting directors to perform. And every single person in this town, no matter what you say or how you think, they know. They're paying for a job interview. They know they're paying for access to that office. If if ABC casting office wasn't casting and they sent their assistant out, nobody would show up at that class, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, they go there because they want the opportunity to work on that TV show. So mm. it's, it's become so skewed and gotten so out of hand that it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, I mean, I don't know how it gets better. The only way it gets better is by awareness. And so I've sort of continued to create a, an awareness without, you know, I don't know. I'm still making noise, but, you know, not making as much legal noise as I used to, because it seems like the law doesn't really care. I think it's really a thing where the actors have to say, you know what? I I shouldn't be paying a casting director to meet them. They should be mm-hmm. paying to meet me.
2: Hm.
0: So I want to kind of make myself a, a bit of a case study then, right. um, and see what see what you might uh, what your what your input might be. Sure. So for an actor like myself, who's done a lot of ninety nine seat theater, um, I create a lot of my own content. Um, I've got a short film that did the festival circuit, won some awards, got some nice reviews, um, and my agent gets me into some offices fairly regularly. Not as much as I'd like, but but I'm in there fairly regularly but my career is not quite going the way I might want it to go. And I've done casting director workshops, paid workshops. Right. Most of them have been a total bust. Right. There were a couple that led to follow up yeah. calls and stuff, but I feel
3: stuck. So what what might you recommend to kind of unstick me? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is recognize that paying to meet a casting director is wrong. And when that dynamic sort of diminishes, it's like you don't have to have – you don't have to replace a bad thing with another bad thing, or you know. I mean, you have to get rid of the bad thing in order for new things to grow. And I think people always say, "Well, if you're, you, if I don't have workshops, what do you recommend? What are you going to replace them with?" Well, I don't have to replace them with anything. Mm-hmm. I think it's an actor's job to be able to get into a casting director's office via their agent or manager or whatever. But I, I don't think it's a casting director's job to charge the actor. So I think the, the actor, if they don't want to pay, has to say. I don't want to pay and has to just stop paying. They have to recognize it's a problem and it has to be something that's consistent throughout Los Angeles. I think that there needs to be a Pied Piper. There needs to be a leader. There needs to be somebody from the Screen Actors Guild or from, from, from a major union that says, you know what? Fuck these workshops and fuck paying casting directors because we're not going to do it anymore. We're not going to take it anymore. We're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. <laughs> and when they start doing that, when there's awareness about it, the thing was is that 10 years ago when we had the big state hearings, and the, I don't know if you guys have seen the 2020 interview. Uh, I, I did see it online yeah, a couple months that, ago. Yeah, it, it created so much. I mean, i got a thousand letters from actors in Los Angeles, but from all over the country. My daughter just moved to Los Angeles. Sorry, and she said she's taking the... Is this the kind of thing that she's spending her money on? She, I, she said she was taking acting classes. And now I know... You know, they, they, they can't... I mean, a dad in the Midwest emailed me and said my daughter is paying to meet the same people that are in a position to hire them. I won't take it. And, and so what happened is there was a, there was an uproar, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough of an uproar. It was sort of like we planted a seed and I was hoping it would take off and it didn't take off because there's this amazing fear factor that's built, built into the the whole workshop system where we're casting directors. If you try to speak out against the same people that are going to hire you, They won't hire you, you know, so even if you don't take workshops, who's going to say who's going to stand up and say, don't take workshops because they're afraid they're going to get blackballed, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a That's a tricky, slippery slope. It is. Um, So,
3: I mean, I just suggest that actors should should, you know, should get together on masse and boycott you know have a parade have a have a have a <laughs> rally you know get get 10,000 actors together i mean there's you know a couple hundred thousand actors in this town and you know they're all and you know the the workshop industry is a multi multi million dollar industry i mean they mm-hmm. make you know tens of millions of dollars every penny paid by actors mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that was going actually
1: going to gonna be my next question is i'm i'm wondering what the hell is motivating it to keep going and I, I, is it just money i mean what's underneath you know what's underneath it all, well, because <laughs> you were talking about how in the mid eighties to early nineties, that's when the paradigm started to shift from the casting director, the casting directors actually being, uh, I don't know, we'll call it proactive, if you will, just for the sake of you know keeping it simple. Right. But the, it moved from the them being proactive to sort of reactive, in sort of waiting for going to a location and waiting for the actors to kind of come to them and, and also paying for it. Well,
3: I think somebody so- offered the casting assistance. Who weren't getting paid that much money anyway, an opportunity. Some entrepreneur with with you know a dozen actors friends said, Hey, let's offer a casting assistant a sandwich and a soda and have them come see us do scenes. That's simple enough. You know, you your casting director sees new talent, gets a, a sandwich, and the actors get to meet a casting assistant, you know, sort of an, an entree into that office. But what happened is that when the when it started to work and casting assistants started to show up, they said, "Hey, here's a twenty five dollar honorarium. You know, hope we we hope you'll come back." Mm-hmm. And here and then it became a fifty dollar honorarium, and then all these places started to pop up, and it turned into a cottage industry where somebody said, "We see a need. We see a need not being filled, and we're gonna we're gonna be the conduit to fill, help fill it." Mm-hmm. I think what happened is that and what happens with a lot of people is your morals sort of go out the window when you see a paycheck there it happened to me i said wow 25 bucks that's cool i could use that i'm an assistant i'm not making that much money I'm making 500 bucks a week and then i realized i'm i my job depends on these actors and i stopped doing it but there's a you know there's a saying it's hard to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it mm-hmm. so what happens yeah. is a lot of people just sort of ignore the 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 fact that they're being bribed or being you know you know sort of like cajoled with cash into you know into into recognizing actors you know I mean I just. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so, so it changed. I think it was a subtle change, but it's sort of like payola, you know, it's like in the record industry in the fifties, it was like, nobody said, okay, here's I'm going to walk in and give this DJ 50 bucks to pay my rec to play my record. But you know, what happened is like somebody was probably taking somebody to lunch one day and said, Hey, here's my, my, uh, my new artist's record. Will you take a look at it? Well, if it was a nicer lunch, maybe he would take a closer look at it. And then maybe it turned into a little bit of cash in a lunch, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those things happen.
0: So, so is there is there a standard to these work? I mean, I feel like every time I turn around, there's a new casting director <coughs> workshop place popping up. And a lot of them are run by actors right. making that their day job. Right. So, is there a standard or is, this, is there some sort of qualification or is this just something people, anybody could do?
3: Yeah, anybody could do so it. So,
0: I, I could just go out and say, hey, you know, like, um, let me contact a bunch of casting directors and say, I'll, I'll give you... Three and four hundred bucks if you come in and see these actors at this yeah. place on Tuesday yeah. night. Yeah. yeah, You can that start be, out
3: yeah. with casting directors like oh no, I'm not going to mention her name, <laughs> the one who does a dozen workshops a month at three hundred bucks a pop. You know, I mean, there's it's a it's a big it's a big industry. You know, casting directors make a lot of money. Casting assistants make a lot of money. I talked to a casting assistant about six or eight months ago who said that she was planning her Hawaiian vacation and she she wanted to take a couple extra workshops so she could make sure she had enough money for a nicer hotel. I talked mm. to some, I saw somebody's posted about a year ago that they got their new Range Rover and were were making ju- making the lease payments with their casting director workshop salary. Mm. So, you know, it's like actors can't afford to you know, to, to buy top ramen and these casting assistants, you know, sometimes casting associates or assistants that were answering phones a year ago. You know, are mm-hmm. taking advantage of actors. So yeah, anybody can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I'd go to your workshop. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's where. Well, here's the thing: is that mm-hmm. if you set up an alternative, and, and but, by mm-hmm. the way, just so you know, if you set up alternatives, the workshop industry has. They're like the mafia. They'll try to shut you down. When I, the, the reason the SAG, you know, the SAG Foundation workshops mm-hmm. are yeah. a direct result of my efforts in the workshop hearings 10 years ago. What happened is, is I got the CSA and the Screen Actors Guild embarrassed enough to do their job to actually put something together to give actors free opportunities. So the SAG Foundation is a direct result of that. The workshops tried to stop it. The workshops didn't like the SAG Foundation workshops because they were free to actors. Actors didn't have to pay. And when actors didn't have to pay to meet so-and-so, mm-hmm. then, then in, in, at the SAG Foundation, then they weren't going to pay to meet them at the uh, at the workshop which is going to diminish a workshop's um, income so they fought tooth and nail in the beginning to try to stop the Sag Foundation from offering free workshops and it happens all the time my philosophy is that every actor should tr- try to figure out how to how to create opportunities to to bring casting directors in to meet actors for free the entrepreneurs the same entrepreneurs that are paying casting directors. Now, again, remember, it's not, I don't think, a greedy actor that's trying to do this. I think it starts out with, I want to meet a casting director. I want to be on their TV show. I want to get into their office. I want to be able to read for a a day player role, hmm. a small role. I want, to, I want to do anything. So, how do they get in there? If they can't get in there, their agent can't get them in there, and their manager can't get them in there, then they invite them to come meet them in a workshop, and they pay them. So, it's the. I think it's the greed of the, ca- the uh, casting director. Should say, "Oh, I'd love to come by and see your actors. I need to meet new actors. I'll come by and see your twenty actors, not for three or four hundred bucks, but because it's part of my job." Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing I'd like to see that dynamic. So as I started this conversation, actors want to meet casting directors. Casting directors want to meet actors. But I think we need to take the the money on it.
0: Uh, you know, a couple of these workshops that I've been to, the the cast director has said specifically, like this is how I find my
3: actors. Yeah, I know. In fact, there, that's um, there are uh, there they, they put them in their ads. I, the workshops put them in their ads that mm-hmm. say, you know, the casts, ha- you know, casts twenty actors a year. There's a I'm trying to remember the casting director's name. He's, uh, um, me, I shouldn't mention names of it. He uh, he put out an ad on one of an on Actors West or something that said. That said, last year we cast fifty actors out of our workshops. Imagine how many got interviews. You know, I mean, how do you say that? You know, Um, you know. Another workshop put up a thing that said um, Carolyn Leem of when she was casting Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel Live casts. uh, You know, right out of workshops, twenty nine dollars tonight. You know, how more obvious can you get? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it, that's the way they, they – the reason they advertise that is because that's what keeps putting asses in the seat. I have no idea if mm-hmm. they really cast anybody out of workshops. I have no idea what the numbers are. I know yeah. that in my research that we did 10 years ago that 1.6% of the actors yeah. that actually pay for workshops – get jobs out of workshops. Which is about the same percentage of people that don't pay for workshops.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I just remember seeing your billboard a few minutes ago. And yeah. Yeah, 1.6%. Right. You know, and I guess that's that's probably about accurate because, you know, I subscribe to a couple of the newsletters from mm-hmm. these, these casting places and they regularly put a, a, a success section in their newsletter, like who's been called in by what casting right. director. And it does seem there are a handful of casting directors that consistently call people in for workshops. Right. I don't hear about the bookings but I do hear about the interviews. Right. So from that perspective, it costs money, which sucks, but it does seem like it's a great way to build a relationship with that office.
3: Uh, maybe, I mean, if with, maybe with that office, I mean, I don't know, but there are also just as many, you know, negative stories where, where I've talked to casting directors and say, I'd never bring that person in. I just do it because I need the money. And Mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, I mean, the pictures go in the garbage when they, when they walk out of the workshop. I mean, now they're not supposed to take the pictures. They still do anyway. But, uh, But there are, you know, there are casting directors that have a disdain for workshop actors, you know, that really that say, you know, and they call them workshop actors, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'd never bring them in. They're professional students. Mm -hmm. Wow. Really? I I wasn't aware of that.
1: That's why I I mentioned this when we had like one of the first or second times we had this conversation about casting director workshops. I said exactly that, which my manager says. The reason she doesn't like them is that reason right there, which is that, you know, the casting director sees you as a workshop actor. So maybe the best they'll call you in on is like an under five or something like that, which actually has happened. Like the only time I've gotten called in from a workshop, it was for an under five.
3: And then what happens is they say, oh, AJ, let's bring in AJ. He's that under five guy, you know? Right,
1: exactly. So then you get seen as the workshop actor, the under five guy.
3: Right. And I still have yet to hear one success story from one uh, movie star that got his start <laughs> or that, you know, yeah. that, that, that claims that workshops are the one are what, you know, kickstarted their career.
1: All right. There it is. There it is. It's so funny because you start know, the letters. Now
0: <laughs> we, we started the the interview and we were like, so tell us a little bit about this and that. And then the caster thing came up and we were like, We both, we looked at each other and we were like, let's, let's just do this. Let's just, this is why we're here. Like, come on. Let's just, let's talk about this. This is why we're here. Open this can of worms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I went into this interview, um, the first part of it here, at least thinking, you know, I, I've got some counterpoints that I want to bring up. Uh, and, uh, he hit them all before I even had a chance to say them. And I was like, wow, yeah, that, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh (laughs) uh-huh, Interesting crap. Do you remember what some of them were? Um, yeah, one of them was, um, you know, how do you build a relationship with uh, with, with, an, with a casting office? Actually, I think I did say this. How do you build a relationship with a casting office? Yeah. Um, because a lot of times you're just reliant on your agent or the goodwill of a friend or luck or network, yeah. you know, a relationship, whatever, to get you in there. Um, when I could pay once to see them and then, boom, they've seen me and I feel legitimate kind of sending a postcard every six yeah. weeks to them. So I, there's that. I think, I, think his, I think his
1: whole come from is like... <clears throat> that that mindset sort of plays into the current system and that what really needs to happen is that the entire system come come down or 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 revert back to the way that things Mm -hmm. you know were 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 before what i thought was fascinating was the whole conversation he talks about when the board of the csa was you know sitting around talking about it and they were just like no let's just throw all these (laughs) rules out the window and then i thought well wait a second the rule and this is actually something that he has been <clears throat> talking about lately and he even says in the interview I haven't been as vocally I haven't been as vo- as um, as loud vocally with regards to the law but what's interesting to me is the rules for the, the CSA may have thrown those rules out the window but the California labor laws haven't changed mm-hmm. and you still can't charge someone for you know seeing for for, for them getting the opportunity to possibly be employed by you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, and I think maybe they're, <clears throat> maybe the loophole there is, is that they're not actually doing the hiring. The producers are, you know, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's a, it is a really slippery slope, which I think you said in the, in the yeah. interview, if, if not in the first half, then certainly in the second. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, start your emails, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, start your emails, start your letters. I'm this sure is always gonna... a,
0: a slightly contentious <laughs> subject <laughs> anyway, and I'm well. so glad that we had this conversation. I, yeah. you know, uh, I was a little hesitant actually to go into this this dialogue for some reason or another that I can't even remember now, and I'm so glad that we that we did sit down with him.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it may start a um a, a bit of a, a it may start a crazy conversation on the podcast, but that's what we're here for. That's the platform, I hope it does. you yeah, know. So totally. I hope it does. Yeah, exactly. So what is your pick of the week, dude? Um, so my pick of the week is uh, an uh, I don't know if it's an Android app. I haven't checked, but I know it's an iOS app. <clears throat> and I know this is like something that I always do uh, pick an app, but this one's actually <laughs> really fun. It's called vine. Have you heard about yeah, this? Yeah. I've seen a lot uh, of
0: vine videos on my Twitter feed. And stuff. Yeah.
1: It's a lot of fun. It's really silly, but it's a lot of fun. It's sort of like Instagram meets, I don't know, video. It's like video Instagram. So Instagram is to photography what vine is to video. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially you just take these like minute long videos, it, it, the, the way that it records is really cool. You just basically point your camera at whatever it is. And if you hold, if you're holding your finger down, it records. And if you take your finger off, it stops. So it automatically patches together, whatever you point your camera at at and hold your finger down on so i can point the camera at you hold my finger down for five seconds point the camera at me hold my finger down for five seconds and then we'll automatically patch those two together into a 10 second video you're following people they're following you it's very much like instagram except video
0: interesting so so it is a break the video up into like one second chunks or two second chunks or how does it how does it uh, it's what however long you were holding your finger down on the screen oh so it could be a five second chunk and then like a 20 millisecond chunk yeah yeah. And then oh. a 20
1: second chunk and then a 30 wow. second chunk. So
0: what's the limit for the actual video? I think or it's or a minute
1: there... total. Minute total. Okay. Or 30 seconds total or something like that. Um, and then once it's all patched together, you upload it and then it, are you using it right now? <laughs> Trevor just started pointing a camera at me and it, even as an actor, I'm feeling
0: a little uncomfortable. <laughs> Done. Okay. It's over. Don't, don't make it weird. Um, (laughs) let it happen. How interesting, man. Yeah. I've seen this and I, I've, I've been hesitant to actually download that app because I'm like, Oh man, here's another like major time suck, but it does look so cool. So I'm like, maybe I should totally jump on that. So much fun. Anyway, sorry for wasting everyone's time.
1: (laughs) Sorry for putting another roadblock between you and your dreams. Well, this is,
0: this is what happened. Yeah. This is what happens with me is I'm like, I'm like, Oh, that thing's a waste of time. I'm not going to do that. And like three months later, I'm like, Hey, have you guys seen this new app? And everyone's (laughs) like, dude, we. Told you about that three months ago. I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, I so it's it's just how my brain works. It's did I talked about that? I talked about that
1: cartoon that I saw once. I think I talked about this on the podcast where there's like this little stick figure man, and it's like an arrow pointing to him, and it says like me or or you, and he's running, and like on the right side of the picture it says you know my like life goals. (laughs) <laughs> like he's running towards his life goals and then there's this little tiny like pit that he has to jump over but that pit grows and it's like giant this ginormous hole underneath the surface and inside the hole is the internet <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: funny because it's true it's funny because wow. it's true wow welcome to our generation yeah
1: no but it's a tool i use it to like connect with like uh, other yeah, people man. and casting directors i am,
0: i am really learning that there is a lot of self-discipline required if you're going to have broadband at your house <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You've yeah. got to have a lot of discipline and, and that's why I use the, uh, we talked about this many episodes ago, with the 60, 60, 30 solution to just l- remind me when I'm getting off track and, and once that timer goes off and I'm like, Oh shit, that I really use this 50 minute chunk or not. Um, I get to take a sobering look at, uh, Wow, yeah. Feedback. Indeed. Indeed. Your pick of the week, my friend. My pick of the week is a book. Uh, I've had the opportunity to kind of just unwind a little bit after LP. And so, um, I was like, you know what? I haven't read, like sat down and like read a novel for a long time. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I really love doing that. So I'm going to do that. So I bought, uh, the first book in the Ken Follett century trilogy, I think is what he's calling it, or the Sentinella trilogy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Uh, and it's called fall of giants and, uh, Ken Follett wrote my favorite book ever, which is pillars of the earth. And anybody who's read that, I hope like most people who've read it that I talked to are like, Oh my God. Yeah. Best book ever. So same author, uh, same idea just set in, uh, like world war one, pre world war one, America and Europe. And it follows five different families as, the world goes to war and then how it affects them and how their paths cross. And he's just a masterful storyteller. And, um, his book is really historically accurate and he has a really brilliant way of weaving thick, fictional characters into actual historical events. Wow. Nice. And so you're experiencing the historical event that you learned about in ninth grade, right? But through the eyes of this character that you're in love with, because you've been with them since they were like 14 in the book. And it's, wow. just, it's really good stuff. So I've been, uh, I've been like totally absorbed in my Kindle, uh, the past, the past week or so. Nice. With that book, And it's a, it's a big book. It's like a thousand pages plus. So, and it's only the first, there's two more after it. So wow. I'm, I'm really on board with that right now. So fall of giants by Ken Follett. Yeah.
1: Nice. Awesome man!
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, no I... listener pick of the week, wah, wah, wah. Uh, but next week we will. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> as Trevor threatens our listeners. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, lots of different ways that uh, y'all can be in communication with the podcast. Uh, start by hitting up our website, insideactingpodcast.com dot com, and or leaving a comment on an episode or shooting us an email at InsideActingPodcast at gmail And of course, uh, you can always uh, support us. By, uh, leaving, uh, uh,
1: positive ratings and reviews on, uh, Activated and iTunes and then going over to our website and donating to the podcast.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: up on the right hand side there's a button there. You can do a one time donation the way that, uh, we thanked Jen for earlier in the podcast or you can do a recurring donation of, th- what is it, three, five, ten, three, five, ten or
0: twenty a month. dollars
1: yeah. per month and become a patron. Um, in which case you, your, uh, headshot and bio will go onto our website yeah on the Patreon page the patron page. yeah
0: we're also on the Facebooks and the Twitters uh, in fact our Facebook group is is doing quite well there's a lot of people uh, chatting over there there's a thing that happens on Facebook that drives me a little crazy mm. and it's people call, I'm going to steal a line from Colleen Wainwright if you haven't listened to Colleen Wainwright's interviews I think it was 74 and 75 go back and give those a listen they're some of my favorite uh, conversations we've had on the show and uh <laughs> I, I wanna like etch this in stone somewhere. Don't ask me to like your shit. And I I, I love people sharing uh what they're up to, but there's gotta be a give and take. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like introduce yourself, uh introduce what what you're here to get or give to the community and then share your project. But if there's some people that pop on and I'm not necessarily in our group. I'm, I'm thinking of the internet in general right, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of other groups that I've completely stopped paying attention to because this is all that happens on them. Now these people going on and saying like, they I have no idea who this person is. They just go on and just spam the shit out of that group. Mm-hmm. And then when like five or six people do it a week, then I'm like unsubscribe, like leave group. Like, and I really don't want that to happen to our, to our Facebook group. So, you know, it's not a problem right now, but, uh, I just want to kind of put that reminder out there, um, that, uh, you know, we want to keep this, this group, something that's really valuable for people. So, uh, you know, take advantage of it. There's a lot of people there that have resources and thoughts and, and support and, uh, relationships and things that we all could be leveraging. Yeah. So don't go on there and just say, like my shit, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, be, 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 be an, of service Yeah.
1: be an active player, not a, a passive observer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be be cool. Bam. So I think that does it for episode 97, yeah?
1: Yep, that's it, man. That's Mm -hmm. all she wrote. That is all she wrote. So, (laughs) uh,
0: damn, for three episodes shy of 100, Uh I'm Trevor Algon.
1: I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, episode Sentinella approaches.